Live from the bell tower, taking a stand for your rights, your liberties, and all the bullshit in between. You're listening to Break the Bell Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Break the Bell Podcast. We are live, fresh off that Christmas holiday, fresh off that Christmas extravaganza episode that we we gifted you with last week for a Christmas Merry Christmas present to you. I hope you all enjoyed it. We, we had a good turnout. We had a good response. Uh, we were joined by Dan Smots of the System is Down podcast and Remzo Martinez of the On the Run podcast. So if you missed that, make sure you go back and listen to that episode because it was a fun time. We got to take a break from all the bullshit that's going on in the world and just celebrate Christmas in true style. Um, as you can t- probably tell... My illustrious co-host, Bill, has decided to bail on me and take a family trip to see his family uh, down south for for the, the holidays. He didn't get to see them on Christmas, so he took off immediately following the next day, and he bailed on me. So I'm flying solo this week, so hopefully this goes good. Hopefully I don't uh, shoot myself in the foot and completely botch this thing up because Bill's not here to keep me on track, which <laughs> Bill Bill doesn't actually keep me on track at all. So uh, we're going to make this work, though. It has been a really busy weekend due to Christmas, obviously, due to my own personal family Christmas and all, all the other stuff that surrounds the holidays, last-minute Christmas shopping, all that fun shit. So as you can see, I haven't even had time to take down my freaking Christmas lights yet, so... Um, you get to see him again and enjoy him again. Even though it's after Christmas, it's still technically holiday season. So uh, I feel that it's it's okay for me to keep my Christmas lights up. Some people put theirs up before Thanksgiving, which is bullshit. I keep mine up past New Year's, apparently. Unfortunately, this is the last time you guys are going to hear from us in 2021. Unfortunately, fortunately, uh, however you decide <laughs> to take that, because, uh, I, I don't know, maybe it was a terrible year for you. I mean, overall, it wasn't a t- horrible year, but um, I I feel like maybe there's good things to happen in the year to come. Even even some of the, uh, the higher-ups that are calling the shots for us, like, uh, well, I don't know, Bill Gates is saying that 2022 is going to be a better year for us, and... I'm going to be talking about Bill Gates tonight because he said a few things before Christmas, and I was like, hmm, we haven't really done an episode about Bill Gates, and Bill's not here to object to that, so I can talk about whatever I want tonight, and so that's what I'm going to do. Bill is in the comments. He says, hello, beautiful bell breakers. Hello, Bill. How is your family time? Uh, Shannon, it's good to have you back. Shannon says, what's up, nerds, and great Christmas episode. Shannon, it's always a pleasure to have you back in the chats. Uh, she also says, 12 days of Christmas, the wise men haven't gotten to baby Jesus yet. That's fair enough, so I feel like I can keep my Christmas lights up until the wise men get to baby Jesus. So uh, thanks for pointing that out, Shannon. Thank you for your approval of me keeping my Christmas lights up. So... Merry Christmas, Merry 12 Days of Christmas, What? It, how, however many freaking days of Christmas you want to celebrate. Merry Christmas. Like I started to say, uh, this week I decided to dig into the man 
That is Bill Gates, because he's kind of an enigma, I guess. He has recently became kind of the the boogeyman of conspiracy theorists, and probably rightfully so, ever since the pandemic popped up. It's like Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci are kind of synonymous as the medical experts. So we're talking about this tech billionaire turned philanthropist turned somehow medical expert. However that happened, I don't fucking know, but he is the metal. He's one of the medical experts. Shannon says, hashtag Craig didn't kill himself. Wow. Uh, that that's ominous. So ho- hopefully I don't not suicide myself after doing this episode. But like I was saying, somehow in the last two years, Bill Gates became the expert on medical advice, the expert on vaccine advice, um, also the expert on uh, climate change, the expert on farming. He owns a giant amount of farmland, private farmland, for whatever freaking reason. Um, He's got his fingers in just a little bit of everything, and it's really kind of disturbing to me. And so it's it's no wonder when people like that with— billions of dollars that hold so much power start dipping their fingers in all these different areas. And you have Elon Musk to compare to. Elon Musk has his fingers dipped in a lot of different things, but it's all in the tech industry for the most part. It's He's got Tesla, the, the freaking supercars. He's got SpaceX. He's, oh, what's the other one he has? He's doing something else. I can't remember. If you know, let me know in the comments. But um, it's all at least his field of expertise. When you got Bill Gates, you have the tech industry, you have food industry, climate change, medical industry, all these different things that he's got his grubby little fingers dipped in. And it makes me wonder, why the hell does Bill Gates have anything, want anything to do with any of this stuff? And it, is it just his mission to save the world, being the elitist that he is? Brain implants. There you go. <laughs> Bill says brain implants. I'm guessing he's referring to Elon Musk. Elon Musk has his fingers in brain implants. But again, tech industry, even though that sounds creepy as shit, too. But we will. Bill, Bill, I, I wish you were here to tell me instead of just comment in the, the comment section, but that's okay. We'll get into all that in just a few minutes. Before we do, obviously, I got to mention my sponsor that is the the freedom loving coffee coffee fix of freedom run your mouth coffee they promote your right to say whatever the hell you want without the fear of getting suicided without the fear of getting epstein or or clinton if that's even a verb none of those are verbs but um you have the right to say whatever you want you should be have the right without uh being censored in any kind of way as long as you're not being a dick And even then, I don't think people should be censored. I think they should just have the common decency to not be a dick. So don't be a dick. Drink Run Your Mouth Coffee. Go to rymcoffee.com. Tell them we sent you by using the promo code BREAKTHEBELL. That's all one word. And you can get delicious, fresh, roasted coffee delivered straight to your doorstep. And you can drink it, and you can enjoy it, and you can enjoy freedom, too. Mostly freedom of speech. Uh... Their name says it all, Run Your Mouth Coffee. They they promote your right to be able to run your mouth and say stupid shit on podcasts or on social media the way I'm doing right now. So, rymcoffee.com. That's all. Drink it. Enjoy. That's it. 
Make sure you check us out all over the social medias. You can find us everywhere at Break the Bell P-O-D, Break the Bell Pod. I, I had a brain fart for a second there. I couldn't even remember the name of my podcast. Um, Break the Bell Podcast, or Break the Bell Pod is our handle on Twitter, on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, all over the place. Share it around, like it, subscribe, all that fun, happy shit, so we can keep doing bigger and better things. As I mentioned... This is the last show we will be doing for the year 2021, so you don't even get to see Bill for the last week of 2021, because we won't be doing a weekend wrap-up episode for New Year's weekend, because I'll be doing other shit. So um, our next episode won't be until 2022, next Monday night live. Bill will will be back if everything goes as planned and nothing happens to him and I don't get him Epstein. but. Um, We want to do bigger and better things coming into 2022 and throughout 2022. So uh, the only way we can keep getting bigger and better is for you to share this all around. You you, uh, subscribe, like, do all that fun stuff so we can expand our reach and do bigger things. You can also help us out by supporting us at uh, patreon.com forward slash break the bell. We have all kinds of different options. You can have access to... Uh, bonus content, you can have access to a book club if you want to sign up for that. We're still waiting for somebody to sign up for that book club because I think that would be extremely fun to do. At a certain level, we will send you the book, we will read it together, and you can come on and record an episode with us talking about that book. Sounds like fun. I want to do it sometime. I've been talking about it for over a year. Still have yet to have somebody sign up at that level. So um, if you want to sign up for that level, go to patreon.com forward slash break the bell and have access to all that extra shit. Continue to support us in other ways other than just your happy ears listening to us, which is what we actually value the most. So if you if you don't feel like doing that, then just keep doing what you're doing and listening to us because we love you for it. And we're going to keep doing our thing here as long as you keep listening. And probably even if you stop listening, we're still just going to keep talking to ourselves. But we'd prefer it if you listen to us. So I'm going to get into this intro. And then when I come back, I'm going to talk about Bill Gates and his quest to, quote unquote, save the world. So stick with me. This one's going to be fun, I hope. I'll be right back. What did you say? You talking to me? What? What the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you saying? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby! Did you just say? What did you say? You listen to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? I 
am back, as I promised. Had some more comments. Let me pull them up. Let's see. Shanna Lee says, passive-aggressive much. One thing you should know if you've been watching me or my brother or following us in any way, shape, or form, we are absolutely passive-aggressive. So you're going to get that from us. So I apologize, Shannon. If you want me to go full-out aggressive, I can just start throwing shit and um, making a bunch of noise. But I don't know where that's going to get me. So, like I said in the intro, I'm going to be talking about Bill Gates. Not that he's done anything in recent, like recently, <laughs> that that rings a bunch of bells to me. Not that he's he came out and said anything like ominous or anything like that, but he just came out and said things. And it just rubs me wrong whenever this guy talks anymore, especially when... As I was mentioning, him being the voice of reason when it comes to uh, medical advice, he's kind of almost surpassed Anthony Fauci because Fauci has kind of declined in his publicity after certain allegations, certain things came out about his gain-of-function research and stuff. It's kind of like he got sidelined. He's still out doing Fauci things. He's just not as loud about it. But Bill Gates just won't shut the hell up. And apparently... The day after Christmas, Bill Gates came on and decided... I, I think he actually came out with this during Christmas. This might have been updated since then. But um, he came out and predicted the end date of the pandemic and Omicron. So Bill Gates said it. So it's going to happen. The pandemic will end soon because Bill Gates said it. I mean, he predicted the pandemic would happen and it happened. So... I mean, it's only fair to assume that since he predicted it's going to end, that it's going to end in 2022. Maybe he's just done with it. Maybe he's done uh, profiting off of it. Maybe he's done. Uh, um, he's lost interest in it, and he's decided, all right, guys, we can shut this shit down. We can end this 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 nonsense now. Uh, this is going to end. But don't worry, it's not going to come easily because he also predicts we're headed into the worst moments of of the pandemic with this Omicron and how fast it travels and how how easily spread it is. Even though I still haven't heard of too many deaths. I know one death that was that was uh reported as the first recorded Omicron death was actually kind of a hoax. Like they came in for something completely different. And they died, and then they tested positive for Omicron. You know how they reported on the actual, like, the OG coronavirus, the OG COVID um, back in 2020, how they were, like, misreporting the deaths back then. Um, somebody would die in a car accident. But if they tested positive for uh, COVID-19, then obviously it was a COVID death. So they could inflate the numbers and shit like that. I still have yet to hear of any, many, if any, Omicron deaths. But Bill Gates thinks we're going into the worst of the worst when it comes to this pandemic. But don't worry, he's predicted the end of the pandemic and Omicron. So let me pull this one up. 
This is from EuroWeeklyNews.com. It's titled, Bill Gates has predicted the end of the pandemic in Omicron. Bill Gates and the COVID-19 virus have been spoken about together almost since the pandemic began. And today there has been more news that links the two together as Bill Gates has speculated on the end date of the new variant in 2022. It's almost like they're even confused as to why Bill Gates and COVID are somehow (laughs) interlinked with each other. Because they're like, oh, they've been talking about these two almost together almost the entire time. And here's another example of that. It says... uh, Bill Gates has speculated an end to an end of the new variant in 2022. Omicron has thrown a spanner in the works regarding the progress that has been made against the virus and upset the precious predictions that the billionaire has released. He goes on to say, just when it seems that life would return to normal. I wish I could do a Bill Gates voice. Just as it seems life would return to normal. We could be entering the worst part of the pandemic. I don't that that's not Bill Gates, but it sounds annoying enough to be him. The Microsoft co-founder warned on his personal Twitter account. According to Gates, there will be few houses that escape infection from Omicron, and he now knows many who have the virus. My close friends now have it, and I've canceled most of my vacation plans. Oh, that poor bill, rich billionaire had to cancel his Christmas vacation plans. You think he canceled his actual Christmas, like, didn't have anybody come over, didn't have any kind of festivities or anything like that? No, that's not how these people work. They they make us believe that this is so dangerous that we should not join and, and get together with our friends. And then they go to million-dollar or, like, super rich dinner parties with their friends while they're they're telling us how dangerous this is. I mean, he's spent the last, it's, it's like two years now, over two years now talking about how dangerous this thing is. And he had to cancel most of his vacation plans because close friends now have Omicron. It doesn't say he canceled all his Christmas plans, but he did cancel his vacation plans, that poor, poor, rich bastard. Omicron is spreading faster than any other virus in history. It will soon be in every country in the world, he added. Bill Gates then spoke about the need to try and protect ourselves against the variant. Um, Obviously, he's talking solely about vaccinations, not about any other treatment process, not about any other possibility, because he is invested in vaccines. He is obsessed with vaccines. And we're going to talk about that more. This isn't going to be what I would consider full-blown conspiracy theory podcast about Bill Gates. But obviously I'm going to dig into some of this, like, creepy shit, some of this, what the normies would consider conspiracy theories, I guess. But um, he's heavily invested in the push for vaccines. He's, uh, He's been working in vaccines for decades now, so... It's only natural that when he says we have to try and protect ourselves against the variant, he is specifically talking about the vaccines. He says we must take it seriously until we know more about it. Even if it is only half as serious as Delta, it will be worst. It will be the worst increase we have seen so far because it is very infectious. Kind of like the common cold. I'm not saying Omicron is like the common cold. I'm saying the common cold is pretty infectious, pretty damn infectious. That's why uh, when people sneeze, they tell you to cover your mouth because it's pretty damn uh, infectious. 
So to say it's the worst increase, it's the most infectious, that's not saying much. I mean, that sounds like, oh, this is horrible. This is this is this horrible, horrible variant. No, that just says it moves fast and it transmits easily. That doesn't say anything about the death rate. It doesn't say anything about uh, the 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 um, side effects of it or whatever. Um, all that says is it spreads rapidly. And so he's saying this is, we got to take this seriously because it's the worst we've seen so far, even though it's half, half as serious as Delta, or even if it's only half as serious as Delta, which I feel like that's his way of saying it's probably only half as serious as Delta. The billionaire is famous for his predictions regarding the pandemic, and the most interesting part of his Twitter thread has another thought about the end of the virus reign. He says, good, the good news is Omicron moves so fast that once it becomes dom dominant in a country, the wave there should last less than three months. He acknowledges that those months may be bad. He is convinced that if we take the right measures, the pandemic can end in 2022. So if it should only last less than three months, is there any purpose to pursuing a booster for this Omicron, an extra extra dose of the delicious vaccine for this Omicron. If it's going to, I mean, how long did they say it would take? I think it was like eight weeks or something like that uh, to get the booster for Omicron. If it's going to be less than three months, I mean, shit, that's already two months there. So take a vaccine for the last month of this, or do you just write it out? I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, he says once it's dominant in the country, but I mean, it's dominant in several countries you're hearing in European countries now that Omicron is the most dominant uh, of the COVID variants in this country or that country. So, I mean, if it's going to sweep through in three months, is it even worth it to develop a vaccine booster to, sh to stab in your body? I don't know. I haven't taken the first one, so I don't know. I know it's frustrating to enter another Christmas season with COVID threatening us. But it will not be like that forever. Someday the pandemic will end, and the better we take care of ourselves, the sooner that moment will come, he says. Again, he's specifically referring to vaccines, 100%. So that's it for that article, but I had a little bit more in this article where it's still continuing to talk about him canceling his holiday plans and says we could be entering the worst part of the pandemic because this one's a little bit darker says, Bill Gates is taking the action that many people are perhaps dreading themselves, canceling most of his holiday plans in the wake of the rapid spread of COVID-19 variant Omicron. Again, he's a billionaire, so even if he cancels his holiday plans, I mean, he's got, he basically lives in his own town. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. He can, I mean, he could social distance with his entire family in one level, one room of his house. So they act like, Oh, Bill Gates is having to do, do this, so we should have to do it too. It's that's that's not how this works. These people are not on our level. They don't understand our level. They don't understand the frustration of it because they're living in their cushy mansion. They don't give a shit about you. Shannon says, "But it's science. How dare you question the science? Science coming from a tech billionaire." That's where the science is coming from. He's not a scientist. He's not a medical doctor. He's a tech billionaire. 
So, I mean, take that for what you want. I mean, yes, people do say, how do you question the science? I know she's being, Shannon's being facetious, obviously, but people will say, how are you going to question the science? It's Bill fucking Gates. He's not a doctor. He's not a scientist. So I'm not questioning the science. I'm questioning a man's opinion, a rich billionaire's opinion. That's all I'm questioning. Says the Microsoft co-founder and co-chair of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation tweeted his outlook Tuesday morning, saying just when you... When it seemed like life would return to normal, we could be entering the worst part of the pandemic. We already talked about that. Says just two weeks ago in a year-end post on his blog, Gates wrote about how 2021 was the most unusual and difficult year in his life. That poor, sad fucking man. I'm sure that refers a lot to his divorce. It refers to... uh, I don't know, him having to split his billions of dollars. Him being exposed for being connected to Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, yeah, that, that would be unusual and difficult. He goes on to say that despite underestimating how tough it would be to convince people to take the vaccines, he was hopeful that the end of the pandemic is in, in sight and the acute phase will come to a close sometime in 2022. So there's all that about Bill Gates. I mean, I don't have too many good things to say about this man. Yes, supposedly he brought on this tech technological revolution, or he at least helped to usher it in. I want to say he brought it in, but he helped to usher it in with his his own tech knowledge, his own or his own uh, <laughs> scheming, I guess. Because I'm going to get into some of his backstory too, and there's reason to believe that he didn't even invent the original Microsoft DOS system himself, that he stole that or bought it or or what have you. He acquired it. He didn't even come up with it on his own. So um, he's a really good, like, shitty businessman. He's really good at screwing people over. He's really good at monopolizing things and profiting off of them. But as far as being a medical expert, how did we get to tech billionaire turned philanthropist turned medical expert. How did he become the voice of medical expertise for so many people? And so many people listen to everything that he says and and just jump on it. Well, Bill Gates said this. Well, well, it's got to be true because Bill Gates said that. I mean, it's you can make a better case for Anthony Fauci being an expert in his field, that, in the medical field, than Bill Gates being an expert in the medical field. Maybe even more case for Bill Nye, the science guy, being an expert in the medical field. Which is sad because I'm so sick of hearing Bill Nye, woke Bill Nye in the last couple of years. Sorry. I don't have Bill to talk over me while I try to smoke, so you get to hear me try to smoke. So how did he become that voice of medical expertise? The answer, the only answer I can come up with is money. Money equals power. Power equals influence. Influence goes a long way, including if you have enough money, power, and influence, including the medical field. If you have enough money, you you're, you can be whatever the fuck expert you want to be. You can be an expert in uh, brain surgery if you want to be, if you have enough money, enough influence. It's not that He's doing these medical researches. He has the money and influence 
to influence the science, the scientists. I that that's going full blown conspiracy, I guess, in some people's book. Uh, that some billionaire could possibly influence the science, not just COVID nineteen science, but all the sciences. I guess if you have enough influence, you can squash whatever competition you want. And that that does reach down into the medical profession. That does reach down into the pharmaceutical profession. I, I know a lot of people like to think that everybody in the medical and pharmaceutical fields are out there to save lives, but there's a lot of people in those fields that are out there to turn a profit. And I feel that Bill Gates' whole life is to turn a profit. And if there's no other conspiracy theory involving Bill Gates that is true, I feel like Bill Gates' desire to profit off of saving the world is the one that I can jump on the quickest. And I'm going to tell you a few reasons why. But let me pull up this article here that talks about, it says, it's from Politico, it says, meet the world's most powerful doctor. Bill Gates. And obviously that's sarcastic because, again, Bill Gates is not a doctor. Bill Gates is not a scientist. But Bill Gates has a lot of money. So he basically gets away, can say or can influence the direction of whatever whatever he wants to, I guess. Let me pull this article up. It says, meet the world's most powerful doctor, Bill Gates. The software moguls sway over the World Health Organization spurs criticism about misplaced priorities and undue influence. Now, we've talked a lot about the screw-ups of the World Health Organization in this whole pandemic, the specific pushes in certain directions on how how they uh, their, their influence over the whole pandemic. We've, we've talked extensively about that. What I didn't know was how much influence Bill Gates had over the World Health Organization. I knew he had influence. I didn't realize he's apparently the second largest donor of the World Health Organization. Could you possibly see a conflict of interest there when he comes out pushing vaccines that, I don't know, his uh, experts or people that he puts on the job? are coming up with these vaccines. People that he uh, pays a bunch of money to are coming up, up with these vaccines. And then he has all this influence over the World Health Organization that can say, this is the vaccine that I recommend for the entire world. This is the one we're going to pump money into for the entire world. You can see how that could easily become a conflict of in interest. And I'm not the only one saying this. This article is from 2017. So this has nothing to do with COVID uh COVID-19 at all. This is long before Bill Gates even ran his freaking uh, Event 201 war games for COVID-19. So uh, this is not in response to COVID-19. This is pre-COVID. But people were raising red flags about Bill Gates' influence over the World Health Organization as far back as 2017. It says some billionaires are satisfied with buying themselves an island. Bill Gates got a United Nations health agency in Geneva. Over the past decade, the richest man has become the World Health Organization's second biggest donor, second only to the United States and just above the United Kingdom. This largesse gives him outside influence, outsized influence over its agenda, one that could grow as the U.S. and the U.K. threaten to cut funding if the agency doesn't make a better investment case. 
So the only person that outspends on the World Health Organization, outdonates, is the United States as a country. Then number two is Bill Gates. One man has more influence over the World Health Organization than the entire country of the UK. Says the results, say his critics, is that Gates' priorities have become the WHO's. Rather than focusing on strengthening healthcare in poor countries that would help, in their view, contain future outbreaks like the Ebola epidemic, the agency spends a disproportionate amount of resources on projects with measurable outcomes Gates prefers, such as efforts to eradicate polio. So he's kind of like he's kind of like uh, Anthony Fauci in that respect. Like we're we're diverting, we're we're moving money in the ways that we want the money to go, in the research that we want it to go, except Anthony Fauci's was the NIAID, which was the group that he was actually in charge of. Bill Gates is an NGO. that He's just a donor. And the WHO spends the majority of their money on Bill Gates' efforts. Specifically, back then, was this effort to eradicate polio instead of... Um, Containing future outbreaks, it says, like Ebola, because this was just around the time or just after the big, the latest big Ebola outbreak that we all of a sudden forgot about. Shannon says, RIP, break the bell. Shannon, you're, you're really making me paranoid now. I'm already really fucking paranoid, so I'm going to push, though, because I got a lot of things on this paper, and I haven't even started, really. Says concerns about the software billionaire sway. Roughly a quarter of the WHO's budget goes towards polio eradication. I want to know why he's so hell bent on polio. It makes me wonder is there something else going on here? Or is it like a money pit the way we talked about our. We did a whole episode on Anthony Fauci and his AIDS research and how we thought that was just a big money, money laundering scheme because. Hey, guess what? It's been 30 plus years, 40, um, 41 years, I think, 40 some years since uh, the AIDS pandemic, I guess you could call it. And there's still no cure for AIDS after how many billions of dollars were spent. How many billions of dollars has um, Bill Gates influenced the WHO's budget to eradicate? And is there any eradication of polio yet? Uh, doesn't seem to be so. All of the candidates are going to have to ally with him in some way. Oh, they, okay, this is talking about um, they're preparing for who's going to— they were, at the time, preparing who's going to lead the WHO next. Um, it says roughly a quarter of the WHO's budget goes towards polio eradication has led to an effort to rein him in, but he remains a force to be reckoned with as the WHO prepares to elect— one of three finalists to lead the organization. I'm surprised they haven't just hired Bill Gates to lead the organization at this point. All the candidates are going to have to ally with him in some way. You can't ignore him. Says already a decade ago, when Gates started throwing money into malaria eradication, top officials, including the chief of the WHO's malaria program, raised concerns that the foundation was distorting research priorities. The term often used was monopolistic philanthropy and you're gonna if you read op-eds and stuff about bill gates they talk a lot about his monopolistic tendencies his monopolistic philanthropy he basically takes over whatever the 
hell he's touching. He monopolizes everything he touches. He monopolizes, he monopolized the computer industry. He monopolized, he's monopolizing vaccines. He's specifically monop- trying to monopolize the, uh, the COVID vaccine. So this talks about his monopolistic philanthropy, the idea that Gates was taking his approach to computers and applying it to the Gates Foundation, set his horse close to the WHO board. The billionaire was the first private individual to keynote WHO's General Assembly of Members, member countries, and academics have coined a term for his sway in global health, the bill chill. Few people dare to openly criticize what he does. Most of 16 people interviewed on the topic would only do so on the condition of anonymity. I can never say that word. So somebody that has so much power that you cannot criticize him, that has so much sway on not only the WHO, but also the the vaccines that WHO is uh, pushing, cannot be criticized on what he says or does, on the decisions that he makes, the decisions that um, his... His organization pushes the WHO towards, says he's treated like a head of state, not only at the WHO, but also at the G20, a Geneva-based NGO representative said, calling Gates one of the most influential men in global health. The member country delegates Politico spoke to did not voice particular concern over Gates' influence and were confident he was well-intentioned. Look... I don't give a shit how well-intentioned the man is. A lot of shitty things have come out of good intentions. I mean, I'm not going to say that Hitler had the best intentions in mind when he wanted to have a predominantly blonde-haired, blue-eyed society. But my guess is, in his mind, he was well-intentioned. I don't think anybody goes in with that much power and says, you know, I'm a shitty human being. I want to do shitty things. I think everybody in their own mind has the best intentions, whether or not they're good intentions, whether they're or whether they're not, whether or not they're good things. That doesn't mean they don't have good intentions. However, his sway has NGOs and academics worried. Some health advocates fear that because the Gates Foundation's money comes from investments in big business it could serve as a Trojan horse for corporate interests to undermine the WHO's role in setting standards and shaping health policies. You got to mention, you got to remember, this was pre-COVID-19, and you have people at the WHO who are concerned that big businesses could use their influence, their their money, basically. Influence is another name for money, uh, to serve as a Trojan horse for those corporate interests to undermine the WHO's role in setting standards and shaping health policies. So whatever health policy the people donating money decide is good or in their best interest, it's kind of like politics. This is why they supposedly have laws on the books that you can only donate so much money to a politician because they don't want you to have so much influence over that politician that you can shape that politician's policies when he does get elected. We all know that gets sidestepped, that that people somehow find ways around that. You'd think there'd be laws and things as important as world health policies that would say, hey, we're not going to allow you to donate too much money because 
we don't want you to have that kind of influence on us. We don't want you to be able to hold us hostage and cause us to only make the decisions that you want to be made. But that's exactly what's happening here at the WHO. That's exactly what's happening with Bill Gates is, I mean, he's got more vote, basically, than probably the majority of the countries that are paying dues to be part of the WHO, to be that pay dues to be uh, bene- to receive benefits from the, day- the WHO. Think about that. One person has more power over this World Health Organization than the majority of the countries in the World Health Organization. Makes you wonder how much of that is going on with all these other organizations. Goes on to talk about strings attached. Um, Oh, here's here's the part. It says dues paid by member states now account for less than a quarter of the WHO's four and a half billion by biennial budget. So the countries that make up the WHO, their dues only account for a quarter of their budget. So that leaves the rest to these NGOs and these uh, donating organizations, specifically the Gates Foundation. So if Bill Gates were to pull out if they were to piss off the Gates Foundation, he was to pull his money out, there goes a good percentage of their budget. It says polio eradication is by far the WHO's best-funded program, with at least $6 billion allocated to it between 2013 and 2019. In great part because around 60% of the Gates Foundation's contributions are earmarked for that cause. Gates wants tangible results and wiping out a crippling disease like polio would be one. So when when these NGOs, these donating organizations, when they donate money, they can tell you what they want that money spent on. So if like two-thirds of the money comes from the Gates Foundation, he can say, you know what, I want two-thirds, I want all my money to go towards polio eradication. So now they're left, they can't take that money and focus on what the World Health Organization, you know, the experts that are supposed to be the ones that are making these health decisions, they can't make those decisions and use that money towards those decisions that they've made. They have to put them towards what Bill freaking Gates, the world's top doctor, decides is what the world should be focused on. Says the focus on polio has effectively left the WHO begging for funding for other programs, particularly to prop up poor countries' health systems before the next epidemic hits. Do you think? Do you poss- Do you think Bill Gates wants the poor countries' health systems to get better, so that they can better handle these epidemics? Because it doesn't seem like that. Because he doesn't want his money to go towards building better health systems. He wants it to go towards Vaccines, polio vaccines. I'm going to have to move on from this article because I want to get into some other stuff. I just found it really interesting. And I'm sure everybody has asked the question, how the how the hell did Bill Gates become this voice of medical advice? It's specifically because of the amount of money he holds and the amount of influence he has because of that money. Says... Last thing I want to read, it says the Ebola crisis of 2014, which killed 11,000 people in West Africa, was particularly bruising experience for the WHO. An emergency program drawn up in the wake of the epidemic has so far received just around 60% 
of the $485 million needed for 2016 and 2017 because most of the money is earmarked by the Gates Foundation to go towards other things. His, his medical ventures, I guess you could call them. So then let's let's move on from there. It, it makes again, it makes me interested to know why he's got this dire focus on polio. Like what what's his big push for polio ev- eradication? Is it because he sees it as a big tar- big easy target to knock that down to 0% and then he can claim an a- absolute victory? Because if you completely eradicate something, you have an absolute victory there. Is there other, I mean, is it a money laundering thing that they just know it's never going to be eradicated? But if we keep throwing money at it and saying it's for eradicating polio, then we can funnel it around how we want to. I don't know. I mean, if you guys got any thoughts or anything you've heard about uh, Bill Gates and his polio vaccine or his polio eradication, please let me know because... He was very, very determined. He was very dead set on eradicating polio as as little as three, four years ago. Obviously, that changed courses with with coronavirus. Bill says he's definitely playing a long game. Yeah, he's been playing a long game for a while. So I want to talk a little bit about him as a person, where he came from, like the rise of Bill Gates, William Henry Gates III is what they're calling him in Wikipedia, which is interesting because I heard an interview with his father that said Bill Gates Sr., who's Bill Gates' dad, actually is Bill Gates III, but when he joined the Army, he changed his name to Bill Gates Jr. because he didn't want to give the appearance of elitism. And he, this was an interview with him, and the interviewee, interviewer brought this up, and... This is the father in the interview. And the father is like, yeah, yeah, that actually happened. So William Henry Gates III is actually William Gates Henry IV. Uh, His dad was William Henry Gates III, but he changed his name to Junior. But then when Bill Gates became so prominent, he changed his name to Bill Gates Sr. to separate him from Bill Gates, the philanthropist billionaire who now goes by William Henry Gates III. So it's very confusing. Not sure what they're going with here. But technically he's the fourth, but he's the third. William Henry Gates III is an American business magnate, software developer, investor, author, and philanthropist, and don't forget medical expert. They forgot to include that in there. He is a co-founder of Microsoft along with his late childhood friend, Paul Allen. During his career at Microsoft, Gates held the position of chairman, chief executive officer, president, and chief software architect, while also being the largest individual shareholder until May 2014. He was a major entrepreneur of the microcomputer revolution of the 1970s and 1980s. So it talks about he was born and raised in Seattle. In 75, he and Allen founded the Microsoft—I Micro, keep saying the Microsoft— Founded Microsoft in Albuquerque, New Mexico, it became the world's largest personal computer software company. Gates led the company as chairman and CEO until stepping down as CEO in 2000, succeeded by Steve Ballmer. So I'm going to scroll down to some of his early, earlier ventures. 
Let's see. So this talks about Microsoft. This is where we came to know Bill Gates, obviously. Let me share the screen. So Microsoft Basic was the first one. It says, Gates read the 1975 issue of Popular Electronics, which demonstrated the Altair 8800. He contacted Microinstrumentation and Telemetry Systems, or MITS, to inform them that he and others were working on a basic Inter interpreter for the platform. In reality, Gates and Allen did not have an Altair and had not written code for it. They merely wanted to gauge MIT's interest. MIT's president, Ed Roberts, agreed to meet with them for a demonstration, and over the course of a few weeks, they developed an Altair emulator that ran on a mini-computer and then the basic interpreter. So right out the gate, the start of their career is a fucking lie because they told this MIT's company that they had developed this interpreter for their software or whatever, whatever computers were running on back then. I don't even think you can consider it software. Um, they didn't even have it, but somehow they came up with it in a course of a couple weeks. Demonstration held at the MITS office in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It was a success and the result in a deal with MITS to distribute the interpreter as Altair Basic. It says MITS hired Allen and Gates took a leave of absence from Harvard to work with him at MITS in November 75. Allen named their partnership Micro-Soft, a combination of microcomputer and software. I did not know that. I didn't know that was the reason why uh, it was called Microsoft, but that makes sense. It says the first employee Gates and Allen hired was their high school collaborator, Rick Weiland. Bunch of nerds. They dropped the hyphen within a year and registered the trade name as Microsoft. So it says Microsoft's Altair Basic was popular with computer hobbyists, but Gates discovered that a pre-market copy had leaked out and was being widely copied and distri distributed. So this got leaked out, people were copying it, and using his intellectual property, I guess you could say, and he got a little bit pissed. It says in February of 76, he wrote an open letter to hobbyists in the MITS newsletter, in which he asserted that more than 90% of the users of Microsoft Altair Basic had not paid for Microsoft for it, had not paid Microsoft for it, and the Altair hobby market was in danger of eliminating the incentive for any professional developers to produce, distribute, and maintain high-quality software. Sounds like he turned into a fucking Karen. This letter was unpopular with many computer hobbyists. But Gates persisted in his belief that software developers should be able to demand payment. Microsoft became independent of MITS in late 76 and continued to develop programming language software for various systems. Scrolling down, I wanted to talk about their partnership with IBM because that's when things took off for him. Because before it was just hobbyists, computer hobbyists, but... Um, now we're getting into the commercial market. Shannon says, do you think his father did that so he could say he could have been the last of his bloodline and could be exempt from going to a war zone? That is a good question. I mean, in the interview, he said he said it so that he wasn't that he was junior, not the third. So he wouldn't appear to be an elitist, which now look at the, the gates. They don't give a shit about looking elite. But that, that is interesting. I don't know. Um, IBM, the leading supplier of computer equipment to commercial enterprises at the time, approached Microsoft in July of 1980 concerning software for its upcoming personal computer, the IBM PC. 
After Bill Gates' mother, Mary Maxwell Gates, mentioned Microsoft to John Opel, IBM's CEO. So already, uh, I don't know what kind of influence his, his parents had. His dad was some rich lawyer. His mom had connections somehow. She had some serious connections because she got with IBM CEO and was like, hey, my son runs this, this small-time Microsoft developing company. Says IBM first proposed that Microsoft write basic, write the basic interpreter. IBM's representatives also mentioned they need an operating system, and Gates referred them to Digital Research, or DRI, makers of the widely used CPM operating system. This is where it gets interesting. This is why I said I'm not sure if he even created the original Microsoft, or if he bought it, or stole it, or what have you. Now, now remember. He threw that bitch fit about people stealing his Microsoft Basic. 90% of the people not having paid for it. It was basically like people using Pirate Bay, but back in the 70s. Do y'all still know what Pirate Bay is? Is that still a thing? Let me pull up this other article, because this is the one that really tells an interesting story about um, IBM going to Gates. Gates said, we don't do operating systems. He supposedly referred them to this other company, Digital Research, and then things got kind of weird from there. So let me pull up this other article here about that. This is, hang on, name of this guy is Gary, Kin, Gary Kildall. It says, the tragic story of Gary Kildall and the importance of being in the right place at the right time. So it talks about the tech world brims with stories and triumph, showmanship, betrayal, and deceit. But this is not one of those stories. This is a story of fate and confusing undoing of what may have been a great testimony of entrepreneurship. This is the story of Gary Kildall. So Gary Kildall could have been Bill Gates if he had been in the right place at the right time. But he wasn't. So Gary Kildall um, came up with this program for microcomputers. It was called CPM, or C Control Programming for Microcomputers. Originally, it was made, developed to help the microprocessor control a floppy drive. If you don't know what floppy drives are, I don't. E it was a disk that was actually floppy, and you stuck it in this drive, and it saved like two bytes of data on it or something like that, and it was the big thing back in the 80s and 70s. Says apparently CPM failed to ex excite Intel honchos and they decided to give it a pass. So he developed this software and they passed on it. So he decided to start his own company to market this CPM. Says the him and his wife, the couple started a company called Inter Intergalactic Digital Research. What a freaking nerd name. Out of their old Victorian home in California. Later in 1977, they incorporated it as Digital Research, Inc. I have a feeling he came up with intergalactic digital research, and his wife's like, you got to drop that nerd shit. You got to drop that intergalactic stuff because that just makes us look like big freaking— I mean, we are big freaking nerds. I'm, I married you knowing that we're big freaking nerds, but nobody's going to take us serious with this intergalactic nerd shit. So they dropped intergalactic and named it Digital Research, Incorporated, which I'm guessing is the wife's fault for that. So before this uh, CPM, the controller for the microcomputer, whatever, 
Before it came along, every computer had to have a tailor-made software. Gary changed that, so he made this like universal software for microcomputers. And he was like the first to do it. So it's kind of like the USB, how we used to have all these different plugs for all these different things to plug into our computer. Somebody came up with the universal service bus. Now we have one port that we can plug all this shit into. That was basically this software um, because all the, these computers had to have all this tailor-made software, but because of his CPM, it made it possible to like interchange with different computers and shit. Says at the same time, little-known company called Trafo, Trafo Data, run by a certain Bill Gates and Paul Allen, also used CPM to collect data from the roadway traffic counters. That's interesting. I never knew that about him. By the late 70s, the waves of change were sweeping away microcomputers. Gary was going to straddle the change from microcomputers to personal computers, a change even he didn't even see coming. Um... So it talks it goes into IB, IBM. It says it wasn't before long. It wasn't long before IBM, the tech giant of the era, took notice and decided to jump in the fray. IBM knew it was late to the PC market and had to come out all guns blazing. An 81 IBM crack team, tasked with creating the first IBM PC, decided to buy off-the-shelf components along with software in order to expedite its entry. It says IBM approached Bill Gates, who rightly pointed them to. DRI, that digital research company, that the other guy, citing that Microsoft had yet to build its own operating system. So Microsoft was still using that guy's operating system. So rightfully so, uh, Bill Gates is like, you don't want me. We don't build operating systems. You want that guy over there. Um, says they, they made Bill sign a non-disclosure agreement at the time. So it goes on to say, the legend is that Bill Gates called Gary Kildall to inform him about the arrival of an important group of people. Because he signed the non-disclosure agreement, he couldn't tell him who it was. So he just told him, hey, there's important people coming to meet you. Apparently, Gary didn't take that serious enough, and he flew away on a trip on his private plane, it says. It says, when IBM came knocking, Gary wasn't home. His wife, Dorothy, and a team of DRI lawyers met the IBM team and apparently failed to inspire any confidence in them. IBM wanted a forever license for CPM, something Dorothy refused flat out. <clears throat> Further, IBM wanted Dorothy to sign a unilateral non-disclosure agreement, which she and her legal team weren't very comfortable with. So on down, it talks about, so, so he lost this deal of a lifetime because he wasn't there. She wasn't comfortable signing the ship for him. So they kind of that the whole thing kind of fell apart. So IBM was pissed because they don't have their operating system that they need to get their PCs off the ground. IBM then goes back to Gates and says, look, this guy didn't work out. We need something. Again, the issue is Microsoft doesn't have an operating system. So what does Bill Gates do? He says, to solve this problem, Bill Gates scurried to Seattle Computers, a Me Too manufacturing of CPM clone called QDOS. So remember, CPM is that Kildall, Gary Kildall's software. The Seattle company, computer company, has a CPM clone that they call QDOS, which is stands for Quick and Dirty Operating System. So if you didn't know what DOS stands for, it stands for Dirty Operating System. You dirty, dirty operating system. So Bill Gates goes to that company, purchases the rights to this 
CPM clone and then renames it PCDOS and presents it to IBM. So Bill Gates didn't even come up with this DOS software that kickstarted uh, Microsoft into the stratosphere. After all that, that, that bitch fest letter to the geeks that were stealing his uh, intellectual property, not paying for um, his Microsoft Basics on their their uh, personal or not personal, their what did they call them? It was the geeks. There were I don't even know. Oh, hobbyists. That's what they called them. So after he threw that bitch fit about hobbyists stealing his uh, his intellectual property to this. Microsoft Basic, he goes and turns around and purchases a clone of the CPM that this other guy should have been the one who gave this to IBM. So this guy lost out on a fortune, or at least a lot of uh, um, being set up to be the next, the actual Bill Gates. So Bill Gates didn't even come up with DOS. He Bought this clone called Q, renamed it PC DOS, sold it to IBM. They loved it. Gary's pissed, obviously. I think Gary's wife divorced him. I think Gary ended up becoming an alcoholic and dying. So it's a really sad story. But then IBM owned the rights to this PC DOS. So Bill Gates changed it just ever so slightly to MS DOS or Microsoft DOS so he could put it in other computers, because IBM wanted the sole rights to PC-DOS. Oh, the the other part of the story. Shitty part. Gary gets upset, goes to IBM and says, hey, that's my intellectual property. And they're like, oh, don't worry, don't worry. Um, we'll take your, uh, your software, your CPM software, and this PC-DOS, and we'll sell them side by side. Well, they first introduced PC-DOS, the computers with PC-DOS, sold them the computers for $40, which back then was a lot of money. Then a f later, they introduced the PC with CPM and sold it for $240, six times the amount they were selling the one with PC-DOS. So yes, to keep them from suing, they're like, we'll sell your shit too. But then they fucked him over by selling it for six times the amount of their Bill Gates product, the PC DOS computer. So that's when he went off the rails. His wife divorced him. He became an alcoholic and died somehow. And Bill Gates became whatever we know Bill Gates to be now. I just find it completely interesting how much Bill Gates bitched about stealing intellectual property, then he basically turned around and did the same thing. So if you want to say Bill Gates invented Microsoft, technically I'd have to say he didn't. I'd have to say at best he purchased Microsoft in its original form, the, the MS-DOS. Yes, his company did come up with Windows after the fact. They came up with all this other shit. Even got themselves dropped into a uh, antitrust uh, freaking lawsuit because Bill Gates likes to monopolize shit. I I don't even know the gist of the entire story between behind the <laughs> the antitrust lawsuit. This was the late '90s. It was something to do with how the computers only ran 
Windows, or they came with Windows, or not Windows, uh, sorry, Internet Explorer was obviously Microsoft's Internet Explorer. And for some reason, they didn't want them in the software as well as the OS because it was a conflict or something with monopolizing. And they made other third-party internet browsers run slower and shit like that. So they ended up settling. But Bill Gates loves to monopolize and loves to profit. So there's that. I'm not going to dig into the whole antitrust thing because... Oh, it's a big, big mess, and it's not what I'm here to talk about. I, I did want to mention, apparently in the early 80s, so Paul Allen was his business partner I mentioned before. Apparently in the early 80s, he was undergoing treatments for cancer. And according to Paul Allen, uh, Bill Gates conspired to reduce Allen's share in Microsoft by issuing himself more stock options. So he gave himself more stock options, so he now owns a higher percentage of the company and reduced Allen's share of the company. Says in his autobiography, Allen would later recall that Gates was scheming to rip me off. It was mercenary opportunism, plain and simple. Do we see any of that with his other ventures, this mercenary um, opportunism? when it comes to like pushing treatments for different things, when it comes to how he's handling the WHO, how I said he's basically monopolized or basically taken over the WHO through power and influence, pretty much did the same thing to the WHO of what he did with Microsoft back in the 80s with Paul Allen. Uh, the more money I throw at it, uh, the more influence I have, and I have a better say, a bigger say, and the things, the operations, or uh, where the money goes. Doesn't sound like a very decent human being to be this philanthropical saint that he is now. I mean, Bill Gates donates blah, blah, blah. You don't think that's for power gain? He has one thing in mind. That's power. Profit. Profit equals power. Power equals profit. Uh, the more influence he has, the more profit he's going to gain, the more power he has. That's what these people do. These people that go to these uh, G20 summits or these uh, World Health or World Economic Forums and, and things like that, it's just a bunch of rich people that get together and decide, you know, I have all the, we have the power collectively. So we should be able to tell other people how to run, and how to live their lives. That's just what they do. So that's just that, that's a brief look at the history of at least Microsoft side of Bill Gates. I mean, there's a whole slew of other things. Here's, some, here's a list of business ventures and investments, a partial list, it says. They had to specify that because he probably has his hands in just about every freaking thing you can think of. It says Gates has a multi-billion dollar investment portfolio with stake in various sectors and has participated in several entrepreneurial ventures beyond Microsoft, including AutoNation, which is an automotive retailer that he has 16% stake in. Uh, BGC3 is a think tank and research company founded by Gates. Canadian National Railway... He is the largest single shareholder of the Canadian National Railway. How's that? I mean, if you're from Canada and you're listening to this, how does that make you feel? 
Cascade Investment is a private investment holding company incorporated in the U.S., founded and controlled by Gates and headquartered in Kirkland, Washington. He's the top private owner of farmland in the United States with land holding owned via Cascade Investment, totaling of 242,000 acres across 19 states. He is the 49th largest private owner of land in the United States. He's the top private owner of farmland and the 49th largest private owner of land in general. What the hell does Bill Gates need with all this farmland? And I I, I read articles of why. Like, uh, (laughs) if you scroll down here, it talks about how one of the things he's uh, invested in is Impossible Foods. So this is a company... You probably haven't heard of Impossible Foods, but I'm sure you've heard of Impossible Burgers, which is Burger King's idea of meatless burgers. They're disgusting. They're horrible. They have almost as many calories as a hamburger. So if you think you're getting a a healthy option, you're not. But apparently, Bill Gates raised a bunch of the $396 million collected for Impossible Foods to become a thing. So that's probably part of what he has, why he has all this farmland, is he's trying to make these disgusting plant-based burgers that he's going to force down our throats, or he's raising the crickets or whatever that that we're going to have to eat when the food system shits the bed. Carbon Engineering, a for-profit venture founded by David Keith, which Gates helped fund, and is also supported by Chevron Corporation and Occidental Petroleum. Says Keith's academic venture in sundimming geoengineering, which Gates provides most of the $12 million for. Bill Gates funds sundimming. So, if you want to say that I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist by calling out Bill Gates for some of the shady shit, <laughs> no pun intended, the shady shit he's doing, one conspiracy theory that always like gets a lot of contention is the idea of weather manipulation through I shit uh what what's it called uh where the planes fly the chemtrails weather manipulation through chemtrails or through um other uh, manipulative devices bill gates funds research to dim the sun by spraying shit in the air. That is not a conspiracy theory. That is the truth. Let me find that one. This is from Forbes. So this isn't from a conspiracy theory website. This is literally Forbes, one of uh, one of the more reputable, I guess, uh, sources out there. Uh, It says, Bill Gates' venture aims to spray dust into the atmosphere to block out the sun. What could possibly go wrong with that? So that's one of his ventures. Says, billionaire founder Bill Gates is financially backing the development of sun-dimming technology that would potentially reflect sunlight out of the Earth's atmosphere, triggering a global cooling effect. The stratospheric-controlled perturbation experiment 
launched by Harvard University scientists, aims to examine this solution by spraying non-toxic calcium carbonate dust into the atmosphere, a sun-reflecting aerosol that may offset the effects of global warming. Didn't it back in the 90s wasn't an aerosol that was uh, eating the hole in the ozone layer in the first place? So let's spray more aerosol in the air to combat global warming. That makes sense. Widespread research into the efficacy of solar ge geoengineering has been stalled for years due to controversy. Opponents believe such science comes with unpredictable risks, including extreme shifts in weather patterns not dissimilar to warming trends we are already witnessing. So it's like, hey, what if we spray this shit in the air and it cools down the world? The catch is this. It might heat up the world more. We don't know. But what if we try it? What if we decide to do this thing that we have no way of testing without actually doing it, no way of knowing or predicting what the results will be until after the fact, after it's far too late. This reminds me of the stories of when they were developing the atom bomb. When they were developing splitting the atoms to develop the atom bomb, they weren't sure, they weren't 100% sure that when they detonate the atom bomb, it wouldn't just light the entire atmosphere, not just part of that, the entire atmosphere on fire and just completely burn us, cook the entire planet. They didn't know that. They had no idea what was going to happen until after the fact. Do the risks outweigh the benefit when it comes to, you know, this might make this really cool super weapon, but it might also light the entire atmosphere on fire. You'd think somebody would have raised a red flag and be like, dude, I don't care if there's like a 0.002% chance of that happening. I don't want to take the risk of lighting the entire fucking world on fire. And that sounds like kind of what they're going with here. Opponents believe such science comes with unpredictable risks, including extreme shifts in weather patterns not dissimilar to warming trends we are already witnessing. So there's a chance this might speed up the thing they're trying to fix. Environmentalists similarly fear that a dramatic shift in the mitigation strategy will, th will be treated as a green light to continue emitting greenhouse gases with little to no chance in current consumption and production patterns. Says SCOPEX will take a small step in its early research this June near the town of Karuna, Sweden. So all you Swedish people out there, I'm not sure what year this came out. This came out, is there not a fucking date on this? There's not a date on this. I don't know why. So all you Swedish people out there, just know that they're going to be testing Blocking the sun in an area near you, and they have no freaking clue what's going to happen. Says the exact amount of CaCO3 needed to cool the planet is unknown, and uh, whatever scientists similarly cannot confirm whether it is best it is the best stratospheric aerosol for the job. Early research suggests that the substance has near ideal optical properties that would allow it to absorb far less radiation that sulfate aerosols causing significantly less stratospheric heating. This is the purpose of the experiment. Once a safe experimental amount is released, the balloon will fly through it, sampling 
atmospheric reactions and according and recording resulting dynamics. The only thing it would do is scatter maximum sunlight and hence cool down the planet. That's obviously the only thing that could possibly happen here. Proponents have cited the global cooling effects of volcanic eruptions. <laughs> They've also been known to send us into like um, ice ages due to like massive volcanic eruptions. I mean, I'm sure they'd be fine with that, but I'm not okay with going into an ice age. Because it talks about the 1815 eruption of Mount Tambora, which was resulted in a year without a summer. While the 1991 eruption of Mount Pinatubo in the Philippines lowered global average temperatures by 0.5 degrees Celsius. So there you go. Bill Gates wants to spray shit into the air. In order, what happened to my camera? Why is it all off? Bill Gates wants to spray shit into the air in order to possibly cool the world, but also possibly fuck up the world more than it already is. Is that a risk you're wanting to take? Is that a risk you're wanting billions of dollars to get funneled to? I don't know. I, I feel like people like this are playing God. And they're screwing around with shit that they weren't intended to screw around with. And Michael Crichton has written many novels on human beings trying to play God. If you don't know who Michael Crichton is, he is the guy that wrote Jurassic Park and other books that are along the same lines of people wanting to play God and screwing around with technology and shit that they're not supposed to and trying to recreate things that they shouldn't be and things go horribly, horribly wrong. And then it's just a mess to clean up. It doesn't put us in a better spot. It just takes us that much longer to get back to where we were to begin with. And I feel that that's where people like Bill Gates sit. There are these guys solely intent on playing God. And they don't... I mean, they, they think because they're rich, because they're smart, that... Uh, they have all the right answers, that they can make all these decisions for us and what's best for the world and what's best for the environment and what's best for poverty or climate change or, or world health, all this stuff. But in reality, it's just, it's just an agenda, whether it's a good agenda or a bad agenda. It's just a, a single person's or a, a small group of people's opinions which create this agenda that they think is the way the world needs to go. And for the most part, they're usually just guessing on this shit. And the very most, they're just looking to make a profit and gain all the control possible to continue to be the most powerful people and increase their power by putting all these policies in place. I'm overdue for a break. I got a lot more stuff to talk about. We haven't even got to vaccinations yet too much. I've got some weird shit for the second half. I hope you guys join me. It involves vaccines. It involves eugenics. It involves all this other stuff. We may or may not get to talk a little bit about the Jeffrey Epstein connection. It's not the most important thing here. Y'all have heard, hey, guess what? Bill Gates had Jeffrey Epstein connections. We may not get there. If we have extra time, we will get there. If I don't get through all my notes here, I'll do another bonus episode talking about some of this crazy Bill Gates connection shit. So I'm going to go take a break real quick. Uh, I'll be back in about 
four or five minutes to continue the shit. Like I said, the crazier stuff comes in the second half. And a lot of it's possible, more or less just conspiracy theories or speculation or, or rumors that people have said. But I feel like we got to talk about it if we're going to talk about Bill Gates. So make sure you come back for that shit. Go get something to drink. I will be right back. Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remster W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence to new ways to develop rugged individualism to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real but actually are, go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remster W. Martinez at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remster W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. talking about Bill Gates. And I've read recently I when I was looking for this shit um, I, I read Bill Gates responding to the crazy conspiracies and stuff and he's just like I just don't know why there's all these conspiracies surrounding me. It's just sad that there's this stuff and hopefully that goes away and it's just like it's easy I guess to to make these rich people out to be the boogeyman. But with great power comes great corruption most of the time. And it's hard to find a rich billionaire like like Bill Gates, especially somebody with their hands in so many things, and say, oh, this guy's obviously got just good intentions. It's It's just really hard for me to say that about anybody, really. Even Elon Musk, as much as I like his personality, at least, at least Elon Musk has sort of a personality. Um, but Bill Gates doesn't have a personality at all. But even somebody like Elon Musk, it's just like it's hard to imagine somebody with that much money that has good intentions in mind. But I'm going to talk some more of the crazier shit, some more of the crazier theories from uh, Bill Gates. We're not here to debate Elon Musk. We're here to talk Bill Gates, specifically. I've got this video here 
We're going to talk more a little bit. I'm not going to get into <laughs> too deep into this because, again, this isn't a conspiracy theory podcast. But I'm talking a little bit about some of the allegations of eugenics or population control or, or things like that that surround uh, Bill Gates. And a lot of it stems from this video right here. This is from a TED Talks that he did back in 2010, it looks like. So 11, almost 12 years ago now. Um, this is him talking about innovating to zero. So trying to get carbon carbon emissions down to true zero. It's not good enough. It's kind of like him with polio vaccine or his polio eradication. It wasn't good enough to make the conditions for polio better or bring down the number. He wanted he wants to eradicate it completely, get it down to true zero. And in this whole if you watch this whole TED Talks, that's what he says about carbon emissions. It's not good enough to bring it down to like 50% or down to 20%. We got to get down to net carbon zero to make have any effect, which that doesn't make any sense to me. You would think that any less carbon emission would get you better results or would <laughs> drop the problem a little bit at least. He's saying to have any effect, you have to get carbon down to zero. So that's what he's discussing in this video right here. So that's just a little bit of uh, preface to this video. So um, listen to what he has to say. And I'm sure you've probably heard this before. And I try, I tried to think of all the possible things he could have meant in context around this. Even watch the whole TED Talks to find the context. Just watch this and we'll talk about it. Let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Uh, that's back from high school algebra. But let's, let's take a look. Uh, first, we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. Now, he just said the population was headed up to, what, what did he say? How much? 9 billion. This is back in 2010. So it's headed up to 9 billion. Through vaccines and reproductive health, we could drop that by 10%. I, I, I don't think he's talking about the population now. We could, we could take out 10% of the world. But he is saying we could drop the increase by 10% through vaccines being put out and reproductive health. Of energy. So let's look at each one of these to zero. To zero. Uh, probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Uh, that's back from high school algebra. But let's, let's take a look. Uh, first, we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. But there we Somebody please tell me in what context... Can new vaccines help decrease the increase in population if it's not in a sinister way to uh, sterilize or to kill people or what have you? How in God's name can you 
say this in any other context than what my crazy brain is thinking, that these vaccines are going to basically force sterilization on people. They're going to... God, why does my freaking camera keep turning? What is going on here? I think it's leaning against my monitor. That must be it. Hang on just a second. Let me fix my camera again. There, get it off my monitor. So every time I kick my desk in anger, I don't move my camera. Any other context, any other way to think about this, that vaccines will somehow lower the increase in population without being uh, eugenics or, or steriliza for sterilization, anything like that. Obviously, we can see Bill Gates is kind of a proponent of population control. I, he's saying this isn't going to be the easiest way to do that. But through vaccines, through upgraded healthcare and through, um, I don't know, birth control increases, we could, we could lower this increase rate. I understand the birth control, how pushing more birth control options could possibly do this, but how in God's name can you take the comment about vaccines any other way besides what, uh, what my crazy brain's thinking? I mean, there's all kinds of rumors that, oh, the, the COVID vaccine's going to uh, sterilize you or it's going to do this or that. That's, that's Bill Gates' plan. That's, that's the greater plan is for population control. I'm not here to talk about all the conspiracy theories about the vaccines. But when Bill Gates says shit like that, it's hard not to go down that road with his proposed vaccines. Maybe it's just a slip. Maybe he didn't mean vaccine. Maybe he threw that out there accidentally. Who knows? But, man, talk about feeding conspiracy theorists. Talk about feeding us crazy people. You can't throw just slip something in there and have some of us— I mean, the majority of the people are going to overlook it. They're going to be like, oh, I, I get what he's saying. But do you really—can you—because uh, if you do, please explain this to me. How vaccines— if they are what they say they are, and they are just to eradicate diseases, how they're going to lower the increase, the, the skyrocketing increase in world population. And if one of your primary worries about the world is overpopulation or climate change due to overpopulation, then why... I guess, would you care about vaccines so much? And would you care about making everybody healthier? Because wouldn't you want something like a disease to take out a bunch of people? Wouldn't that be the easiest way? Kind of like Thanos, snap your fingers and take a bunch of people out. Wouldn't you want that if your primary concern is overpopulation causing climate change, causing death of the earth? Like, why are you so hell-bent on making people healthy? And it is 100% your goal to completely eradicate some of these diseases if we have too many people on this earth. Maybe that's—I mean, yes, that is a horrible way to look at it. That is definitely Thanos from Marvel mindset there. I'm not saying that's what you should do, but you would think that if the intention of the vaccine was to make everybody healthier, that would just— make more people. That would cause lower death rates. 
aren't aren't we kind of playing God with that then? Like, hey, uh, let's let's lower the death rates through these vaccines and make everybody healthier. So, but then you're going to have a bigger population boom, I would think, unless somehow your vaccines are doing something sinister and causing some kind of sterilization. I don't fucking know. But a lot of the things that Bill Gates talk about are very, like he's very concerned without calling him a proponent of population control. He is very concerned about the overpopulation of the world. Here's another article that I found really interesting. This is from TheGuardian.com. I'm not going to read this one, but I'm going to just tell you what this is about. It says, the African youth boom is what's worrying Bill Gates. The philanthropist warns that the stability in Africa makes a huge difference to the world, and the investing in health and education of its young people is vital. So there's too many people, but we need to invest in their health. I'm worried about the overpopulation of Africa, but I'm concerned about their health. Those two things uh, kind of don't go hand in hand. It says, what, what worries Bill Gates most, the booming population of Africa, looms over his foundation's latest global survey. By the end of the century, there will be, more, there will be 4 billion more people on Earth, and 3 billion of these extra souls will be born in Africa. That is what worries Bill Gates. It says Africa's, Africa must almost quadruple its agricultural productivity to feed itself. That's very daunting. So his, his, his biggest concern is that Africa is going to have this big birth boom. Like three quarters of the people born in, by the end of the century are going to be African. It almost seems like... He has a white supremacy issue, in my opinion. Because where does Bill Gates do most of his trials at, most of his vax testing at? It's in these third world countries. He doesn't he doesn't test it here on us. He's very concerned about there. And that's what makes me wonder if he is slightly eugenist-minded. I mean, maybe he is concerned about third world countries, but his primary concern is the destabilization of Africa. It's not about giving them a better place because we can make... He, he wants to invest in health and education in the young people of Africa, but if more people are born, uh, they're going to have to quadruple their agriculture, and that's going to destabilize the continent, which is in turn going to destabilize the world. So... Take that for whatever you want. It's just <laughs> telling to me when he's concerned about overpopulation of Africa, and he does most of his uh, vaccine research in Africa, most of his tests in Africa or India or other third world countries such as this. If you don't know what eugenics is, side note, let's go on a side tangent here. Don't have a lot of time, but let's go on a little side tangent. Eugenics... Basically, it was the concept that there were a certain kind of gene or genetic makeup that was better than others or more perfect. And if you didn't meet certain genetic criteria, then 
it came down to they wanted to force sterilization on you to make make the population more pure or more smart or better or whatever. And it had a lot of racial issues back in the early this this was around in the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s that this was a big thing. The study of eugenics, um they would force sterilization on minorities such as African Americans or or um they called them imbeciles, mentally challenged people. Prisoners, they'd force sterilization on. And what, and we've talked about this before, There, I mean, there was laws on the books that promoted the forced sterilization of some of these groups. And these laws on the books were taken from the precedent that was set by when they decided to make the flu vaccine back in the 19 teens, 1915 or whatever, when they decided to make that mandatory, they used that as precedent for these forced sterilization or these eugenics programs later on, 20, 30 years later. I mean, these, these programs went all the way to the 70s, 80s. That's how recent the, these programs were. It's not something that was 100-plus years ago. These were in our lifetimes that these things were still operational. Some of us were alive when these eugenics programs were still operational. Interesting thing. Planned Parenthood derived from eugenics scientists. You might not have known that. Might not be something you want to know. And no, I'm not taking a political stance right now on abortion or Planned Parenthood or anything like that, but Planned Parenthood derived from a eugenics program. The founder of uh, Planned Parenthood was a diehard supporter of eugenics. What was her name? Margaret Sanger. Um... She's like the Lord and Saint of Planned Parenthood. Says the most commonly associated. This is from Hairbinger Daily, HairbingersDaily.com. This is like an ultra Christian site, but um, I know there's some some real stuff in here, and I'm going to focus on the real stuff. Says the most common associate, most common name associated with Planned Parenthood is that of its founder, Margaret Sanger. She was born in 1879, the sixth of 11 children in a poor family in New York. She was initially quite committed to Catholic faith, but eventually became very cynical in part due to the influence of her free-thinking father. Um, it goes on to say she was attracted to the Socialist Party's fight for women's suffrage, sexual liberalization, fe feminism, and birth control. Sanger also became a fan of concepts promoted by Thomas Malthus, who also heavily influenced Charles Darwin in the development of the concept of evolution by natural selection. Malthus was concerned that the human population was growing too rapidly, especially the poor, diseased, and racially inferior, and would outgrow natural resources. The solution proposed by his followers, like Sanger, was to decrease and eliminate the inferior population through birth control, including sterilization and abortion. Sanger stated the most merciful thing a large family can do to one of its infant members is to kill it. This is the founder of Planned Parenthood. Total support 
of eugenics. Sanger became one of the foremost champions of birth control, and not just for the benign reasons of helping poor women who cannot afford large families, but also for the liberalization liberation of sexual desire and new science of eugenics. In 1921, she organized the American Birth Control League, which became uh, Planned Parenthood. Um, it says in 1922, she published the book The Pivot of Civilization, which unshamedly called for the elimination of human weeds for the cessation of of charity for the segregation of morons, misfits, and maladjusted, and for the sterilization of genetically inferior races. Planned Parenthood, founded on the backs of eugenics. Whether or not it has anything to do with it, I must point out that Bill Gates' father sat on the board of Planned Parenthood for years. Does that make Bill Gates a eugenics supporter? No, not necessarily. Does that make his father a eugenic supporter? No, not necessarily. But maybe there's some, um, there, there, there might be something there. There might be something when her father sat on the board of this company who came specifically out of the eugenics movement, and Bill Gates has these ideas that. His biggest worry is the, the African youth boom, the boom of babies in Africa, when he's saying, hey, um, population's getting out of control, so we need to advance vaccines and birth control options. Specifically, what, where does he focus on? He focuses on the poorer regions. He's not concerned about American babies. He's not pushing for birth control or anything on American babies. It's specifically on the poor nations. It makes you wonder if he has this inferior inferiority or superiority complex, sorry, over people like the the minorities, the poor, the whatever Margaret Sanger called them all. It makes you wonder if there's something there. If he's concerned that these degenerate People from these third world countries will inf be an infestation across the globe and destabilize the globe as we know it. So we got to keep that, we got to maintain that and keep that under control. Um, it makes you wonder if there's something there. I don't know. There might be no connection at all besides the fact that his dad sat on the board. I'm not saying he's a eugenics proponent. But I do know a lot of the things he says specifically supports population control. And I feel like people like Bill Gates would be more concerned about controlling the population in the less um, affluent countries, I guess. Let's see. Let's keep going. Got a little bit of time left. Let's get in more into vaccinations. Let's put all this other conspiracy shit aside. I just wanted to bring that stuff up. I just found it in, in, incredibly interesting. Um, before, we, I guess, I move away from eugenics, I did see a thing, a report in Britain, that parents of 
mentally disabled kids during the COVID-19 pandemic were more frequently asked at during like routine physicals for their children, their, their mentally disabled children, more frequently asked if they wanted a do not resuscitate, do not resuscitate order for their child. I don't know how accurate that is. I saw like this article that had like six or seven parents that were like, they're asking my kid who has autism. They actually specifically asked the kid and the kid's like, they're like, do you want an ND whatever? It's, we call it an NDR, do not, or a DNR, do not resuscitate order. They called it something else. Do you want a DNR? And the kid's like, sure, I'll sign it. And the parent's like, whoa, wait a second. Let's slow down. I don't want that. Because the kid wasn't able to make, shouldn't have been making those kinds of decisions on their own. And that just triggered eugenics in my mind. They're like, hey, um, do you know, uh, there's such a drain on the system due, uh, due to COVID-19. So if something were to happen to your kid who's already a drain on the system, if we didn't resuscitate them, that would free up some, some medical space for some of these people that contribute more to society. Straight up sounds like eugenics. If, the, if this is legit, this is straight up eugenics. It's like, hey, um, we're not going to kill the mentally disabled or sterilize the mentally disabled, but if something were to happen to them, is it wrong for us to say that you probably don't want us to resuscitate them? And the parents were freaking pissed, as, as they rightfully should be. They should be pissed that their doctor's like, hey, uh, you know what? We, we could just not resuscitate your kid. I mean, wouldn't that just be a uh, load off all our backs here? Again, I don't know how legit this article was. I just want to point that out while we're talking eugenics, because that's straight eugenics. Let's move on to Bill Gates and his vaccine problems, because there's a lot of countries that are a little upset with how Bill Gates is handling the vaccine rollout for COVID vaccines, because they're calling it colonialism. We can call it monopolizing medical resources, I guess. As I talked about, Bill Gates basically likes to monopolize and profit from everything he touches. So he might seem like the Lord and Savior who wants to save the world, but he's going to make a profit on the side while he does it. So this is from TheWire.com. It says, the world loses under Bill Gates' vaccine colonialism. It says, as many countries wait for the COVID vaccine, the world needs a patent-free people's vaccine, not more of the Gates' intellectual property stubbornness. I'm going to roll through this one quick. After weeks of immense pressure, the Biden administration came out in support of waiving intellectual property rights to coronavirus vaccines. Shortly after the Biden announcement earlier this month, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation also reversed course and endorsed the patent waiver. But Bill Gates himself, sub subject to revived scrutiny around sexual misconduct and perhaps the most powerful person in global health, hasn't budged. While United States residents are being quickly vaccinated and may see an end to the pandemic in sight, most countries in the world will likely have to wait years for many of their vaccine doses in a situation being described as vaccine apartheid. Almost half of all vaccine shots have been administered in just 16 rich countries, and India is weathering a horrific coronavirus crisis. 
This could have been avoided. Earlier last year, countries in Global South compelled the World Health Organization, who Bill Gates has all the authority over because of his donations, to unveil a technology-sharing pool, CTAP, that would have removed intellectual property barriers for accessing COVID-19 treatments and vaccines. Global health czar Bill Gates had other thoughts. Maintaining a steadfast commitment to intellectual property rights, Gates pushed for a plan that would permit companies to hold exclusive rights to life-saving medicines, no matter how much they benefited from public funding. So these vaccines are being developed through public funding, public donations, uh, government funding, and shit like that. But Bill Gates thinks this company... It's not necessarily his company, but I'm sure he has a lot of financial interest in it. A specific company should hold exclusive rights to those medicines. They should have um, intellectual property rights, even though it was publicly paid for through taxpayer money. Given the enormous influence Gates has, uh, given the enormous influence Gates has on the public global public health world, his vision ultimately won out in the COVAX program, which enshrines monopoly patent rights and relies on charitable whims of rich countries and pharmaceutical giants to provide vaccines to most of the world. So we want to be the savers of the world. We want to do it our way. We don't want to just willy-nilly give out the, the formulas to our vaccines. Then they could save themselves, and then they're not going to be able to pay us to save them says a course of support from pharmaceutical companies and the Trump administration didn't hurt. Says in 2001, Gates emerged from an antitrust saga or saga determined to vindicate his reputation. So um, I forgot to mention he went through that antitrust thing. Then he went into philanthropy. A lot of people think he went into philanthropy to kind of boost his reputation that was tarred from or tarnished from this antitrust thing. Kind of like how all of a sudden uh, Mark Zuckerberg comes out and decides to try to change Facebook and rebrand Facebook as meta after all these Facebook scandals and Facebook lawsuits and shit came out. Bill Gates decided not to rebrand Microsoft. He decided to rebrand himself as from a tech magnate to the greatest philanthropist in the history of philanthropy. 2001, Gates emerged from the antitrust saga determined to vindicate his reputation. Federal government's case against Microsoft was novel in that it targeted what was, at the time, a new type of monopolistic practice, intellectual property antitrust. In Microsoft's case, this looked like the manipulation of its software in the anti-competitive ways, and it painted Gates as a ruthless monopolist. Microsoft ended up settling with the government. Gates chose to launder his reputation by tried and true philanthropic giving, but as he pivoted to global health, his faith in the exclusive IP rights remain, intellectual property rights, remained unchanged. If they helped him build a global software empire, apparently they should help him save lives in global south too, despite evidence from the AIDS and polio epidemics to the contrary. Gates' first foray began unexpectedly in 99 on the heels of a failed Western crackdown on South Africa after it flouted AIDS medicine patents due to outrageous drug prices and debilitating HIV outbreak. Ultimately, a global activist movement succeeded in pressuring the U.S. government and large pharmaceutical interests interest in 
to back down, despite the fact that the Gates Foundation, who is concurrently handing out pamphlets at the WHO touting benefits of monopoly patent rights and investing in approaches to AIDS crisis that would preserve companies' property rights in the future. Throughout the last two decades, Gates has repeatedly advocated for public health policies that bolster companies' ability to exclude others from producing life-saving drugs, including allowing the Gates Foundation itself to acquire substantial intellectual property. This continues through the COVID-19 pandemic. On top of steering the global health community towards COVAX rather than patent-free technology sharing, last year Gates bragged about convincing Oxford University not to open license its vaccine. Gates leveraged his $750 million donation to the university for vaccine research, even though its vaccine was developed in a publicly funded lab. Eventually, Oxford sold the right of the production to AstraZeneca, which no guarantee of low prices and extraordinary opportunity for profit. So he wants to save the world. He wants to battle out these pandemics or whatever, but he thinks people ought to make a profit off of it. It shouldn't be just information that, I mean, if you want to save the world from a fucking pandemic, you'd think there'd be some kind of information sharing going on between the countries to, to really actually get rid of this. But never let a good crisis go to waste. I mean, we gotta we gotta profit from this. We gotta um, find a way to make money off of off of these vaccines, and we can't do that. It, it's like going back to um, his early days in computer software. He can't make money if people are stealing and illegally stealing or recoding, stealing his coding. And making doing the soft making the software themselves. How is he going to profit if people are just able to make it on their own? He was concerned about intellectual property rights all the way back in his early days of Microsoft, and he's doing the same thing with vaccines. Yes, supposedly he doesn't own one of these vaccine companies, but he's got to have some kind of financial interest in this for him to be so concerned over whether or not this intellectual property of COVID vaccines is shared with other countries and other companies. He's hell-bent on this not being an open-source information. He's hell-bent on this being um, patented and sold rather than spread across the world as information sharing. Ignore all the other conspiracies surrounding Bill Gates and COVID-19. Ignore the event 201 where he basically wargamed out this entire pandemic months before it actually happened. Ignore the fact that he's basically predicted that COVID would happen. And and ignore the pandemic uh, conspiracies the conspiracies that say that he basically planned out and created the pandemic. What we do know, and it's not a conspiracy, is that Gates has done a damn good job of influencing the outcome of this pandemic. He's done a damn good job of influencing profit, of profiting from this pandemic. 
So it doesn't matter if he created it. It doesn't matter if he knew it was coming. It doesn't, none of that matters. I mean, it kind of does matter, but just ignore that for now because the fact that he has so much influence over the outcome to the point where, because it talks about, I mean, it doesn't specifically say like ivermectin and stuff like that, but it talks about how he basically pressures pharmaceutical interests to ignore other life-saving opportunities, other um, cures for this. He influences them to go strictly towards like one specific, um, like AstraZeneca or something. Like he he used his influence in the form of money, a $750 million donation to uh, Oxford University to not open license his vaccine. He leveraged that that donation so that they would patent it or and sell this one vaccine to AstraZeneca and it would be a patented thing and it wouldn't be open source information. So he has all the influence in the world over the outcome of how this pandemic could end. So so when he talks about, you know, if if people would just come together and uh, do the right thing and and I see this thing ending in 2022, it's like Bill, not not Bill, my co-host, Mr. Gates. You have all the power and information in the, or influence in the world to see where this thing, how this thing ends. And you are preventing, you could possibly be preventing it from ending based on the fact that you don't want to op- open source vaccine information. Based on the fact that you're steering the global health community towards vaccines rather than towards patent-free technology such as ivermectin, such as uh, hydrochloroquine, things like that. You are influencing the global health community, such as the WHO or whatever, whoever the powers be, through your money, through your financial resources, to look specifically at this one vaccine because you he's got to be profiting off of it. He has to be. Otherwise, why would he be pushing them towards this? Why would he be so hell-bent on the vaccine being not open source, the vaccine being private intellectual property? A few more things before we get out of there. Get out of here. Again, that that's not even crazy conspiracy shit. That is just the known stuff. The man uses his power, uses money to influence whatever he wants to, to, to send medical research in the direction he wants it to, like top global medical research, the direction that he says, being not even close to a medical expert, but I can't get out of here without talking about what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been saying about Bill Gates. Because this guy has become like the latest conspiracy theorist to like mainstream conspiracy theorist. This Robert F. Kennedy Jr., which is the nephew of John F. Kennedy, the son of Robert F. Kennedy, obviously. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is saying that Bill Gates is obsessed with vaccines and seems fueled by a messianic conviction 
that he is destined to save the world with technology and a godlike willingness to experiment on the lives of lesser humans. Yes, this is all like conspiracy theory shit, but this one article ties together all the stuff I've been talking about in the second half here. Talking about eugenics, talking about him having a god complex, talking about his um, obsession with vaccines instead of other treatment opportunities. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is saying all that stuff and, and connecting the dots in a conspiracy way. So, yes, this is a conspiracy theory. Yes, a lot of people say this guy's crazy. If you go Google any of the shit, it's going to say, hey, this stuff is proven to be wrong because that's what they do. And because Bill Gates has a lot of money invested in information, too. So, obviously, that information is not going to be distributed very frequently. So this is from the Clover Chronicle, which I've never heard of. But it says, let me pull this up. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. says he's obsessed with vaccines. I read all that. His messianic conviction and a godlike willingness to experiment on the lives of lesser humans. This is the one that bothered me the most. On Tuesday, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So this was back in April of 2020. On Tuesday, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the nephew of former President John F. Kennedy, took to social media and shared a lengthy message about billionaire Bill Gates and his obsession with vaccines. Vaccines for Bill Gates are a strategic philanthropy that feed as many vaccine-related businesses, including Microsoft's ambition to control a global vac vaccine ID enterprise. So basically he's saying is he has a lot of financial interest in vaccines. He has a lot of vaccine-related business. Microsoft must have been, or it's at least claimed to have been working on a global vaccine ID software. So obviously those go hand-in-hand. Hand. The software is going to go hand-in-hand hand with the vaccines. If you don't push the vaccines, then why do you need the vaccine ID software that Microsoft is developing? It says, and give them a dictatorial control over global health policy. The spear tip of corporate neo-imperialism. Gates' obsession with vaccines seems fueled by a messianic conviction that he is ordained to save the world with technology and godlike willingness to experiment with the lives of lesser humans. I already read that. Promising to eradicate polio with $1.2 billion, Gates took control of India's National Advisory Board and mandated 50 polio vaccines up from five to every child before age five. You're concerned about three booster shots for COVID-19? They were sticking children as young as five, or younger than five, with 50 doses of the polio vaccine, according to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Of course, if you go look this shit up, like I said, it's fact-checked. But I'm sure you can find this information somewhere. So, do the research. I'm just reading an article. I'm not saying this shit's true. I'm just reading an article because it's interesting. So, take it for what you want. Indian doctors blamed the Gates campaign for a devastating vaccine-strain polio epidemic that paralyzed 496,000 children between the age of 2000 and 2017. So he's trying to eradicate polio, but apparently he gave them a vaccine strain of polio. So an infected strain, an infected vaccine strain that had polio in it. Paralyzed 496,000 children between 2000 and 2017, according to RFK Jr. 2017, the Indian 
government dialed back Gates' vaccine regimen and evicted Gates and his cronies from the NAB. Polio paralysis rates dropped precipitously. In 2017, the WHO reluctantly admitted that the global polio explosion is predominantly vaccine strain, meaning it is coming from the Gates vaccine program. I need to look into this. I didn't have time to dig that deep into all the shit. I need to do more research. Maybe do a bonus episode or an extra episode specifically about this here. Because if the WHO is admitting to it, then what can you fact check? This says the WHO admitted that the polio explosion across the globe is predominantly a vaccine strain, so coming from a vaccine, coming specifically from Bill Gates' vaccine program. The most frightening epidemics in Congo, the Philippines, and Afghanistan are all linked to the Gates' vaccines. By 2018, three-quarters of global polio cases were from Gates' vaccines. Interesting. 2014, the Gates Foundation, so that's the polio vaccine. 2014, the Gates Foundation founded or funded tests of experimental HPV vaccines. Not on Americans. Obviously, it was in uh, some of these third world countries. Developed by GS- GSK and Merck on 23,000 young girls in remote Indian provinces. So again, the underprivileged, the, the minorities, not even, not even the normal people of India. It was remote Indian provinces that they were testing experimental HPV vaccines, according to this article. So lab rats, they, they made these remote Indian uh, citizens, they turned them into lab rats. Approximately 1,200 uh, suffered severe side effects, including autoimmune and fertility disorders. Seven died. Indian government investigations charged the Gates-funded researchers committed pervasive ethical violations, pressuring vulnerable village girls into the trial, bullying parents, forging consent forms, and refusing medical care to the injured girls. The case is now in the country's Supreme Court. System is down, says, more like Bill Gates. Am I right? G-A-Y. Hey, what's going on, Dan? Couldn't come on my show, but uh, I guess you could come in the content, the, the, the comments. Dan, on The System is Down, usually does a small Bill Gates segment called Gates Watch. So um, he usually covers some of this in short short form on, on some of his shows. So he knows a lot about Bill Gates. I tried to get him on the show, but apparently he's got Omicron or something stupid like that. I don't know. I'm just making that shit up. 2010. The Gates Foundation funded a trial of GSK's experimental malaria vaccine. So now we got polio. We've got HPV vaccines that they're testing. And now we got experimental malaria vaccines. 2010, the Gates Foundation funded a trial of GSK's experimental malaria vaccine, killing 151 African infants and causing serious adverse effects, including paralysis, seizures, and febrile convulsions to 1,048 of the 5,049 children. So a fifth of the children, I mean, obviously that's just a fluke side effect, kind of like a congenital heart failure. It just has nothing to do with it. it. just happened. I mean, it's probably from climate change. These seizures and paralysis probably come from climate change or cold weather, most likely. Most likely that's the the most reasonable even though it probably happened like a day or two after getting dosed. Notice the 
the connections here besides the Gates Foundation. We got African infants, experimental trials, India, India, children and people from remote provinces, experimental trials. All these third world freaking shitholes, I guess, as uh, Donald Trump would call them, are subjected to some of these experimental treatments and horrendous things happen. And we're supposed to take this guy's word on being the voice of reason for COVID treatments. Again, I'm not saying this shit's all true. What I'm saying is, RFK Jr. said this is true, and it is stuff to look into, and you can't talk about this stuff in most places. You can't find this stuff a lot of times on Google because um, all you get, if you type in some of the stuff on Google, it'll be like, fact check, did uh, Bill Gates and Melinda Gates get kicked out of India for such and such? Mostly not true because they just... Uh, the Indian government is what it said. It was like the Indian government decided to take over its own research, and that just uh, kind of um, down downplayed. Or they, like, they weren't kicked out, but the Indian government's like, "Hey, we want control of this on our own." But they still, they still get a lot of their information from the Gates Foundation. Okay. That sounds to me like they're like, eh, we don't know if we like we want this guy working experimenting on us anymore. It says alongside his original message were a series of captioned screenshots from both known and unknown sources, such as during Gates 2002 Menafrevac campaign in sub-Saharan Africa, Gates operatives forcibly vaccinated thousands of African children against meningitis. Between 50 and 500 children developed paralysis. South African newspapers complained, we are guinea pigs for the drug makers. Nelson Mandela's former senior economist, Professor Patrick Bond, described Gates' philanthropic practices as ruthless and immoral. 2010, Gates committed $10 billion to WHO, promising to reduce population. Did I read something wrong there? In 2010... Gates committed $10 billion to the WHO, promising to reduce population in part through new vaccines. A month later, Gates told a TED Talk the new vaccines could reduce population. That's the TED Talk we watched. In 2014, Kenya's Catholic Doctors Associated with Association accused the WHO of chemically sterilizing millions of unwilling Kenyan women with a phony tetanus vaccine campaign. Independent labs found the sterility formula in every vaccine tested. After denying the charges, WHO finally admitted it had been developing the sterility vaccine for over a decade. Similar accusations from Tanzania, Nicaragua, Mexico, and the Philippines. Do I need to go on with this? Do we get the point here? Am I saying that he's got a population control agenda? No, but other people are saying that, and I'm sure a shit going to read about it. Am I saying that he has nefarious plans with some of these vaccines? No, but other people are saying that, and I'm going to read it.
talks about the conflict of interest. The nation uncovered hundreds of millions of dollars the Gates Foundation donated to companies in which the Gates Foundation held stocks or bonds. Merck, $9.4 million. LG, $53 million. Ericsson, $3 million. So, so the Gates Foundation is donating money, millions of dollars, to companies like Pfizer. Apparently, they own stock in Pfizer. Hmm. That should be telling alone that the Pfizer vaccine is one of the, the top produced. The Gates Foundation can donate up billions of dollars to the WHO, so they basically control the WHO. And the WHO can come out and be like, Hey, everybody, the Pfizer vaccine is the one that works best. We absolutely think that based on our medical researchers and our our, our most smartest uh, doctors, they say the Pfizer vaccine works the best. And Bill Gates is like, hey, guys, I'm that doctor. And then in the meantime, them owning stock in Pfizer sends their profit through the roof. You know, maybe his intentions are good. We're about out of time. But maybe his intentions are good. Maybe he does want to save the world. On one hand, he's definitely playing fucking God. On the other hand, he's definitely getting rich doing it. So if you want to play God, you want to pretend like you're God... And you are the best thing for humanity, and you actually want to save the world. I, I mean, I'm only talking about a couple things here, like the medical issues and and things like that. We have, didn't even get into, like, too much with his push for climate change. Just imagine when he gets his hands on climate change. We talked about how he wants to black out the sun, but just imagine when he decides to turn a profit saving the world from climate change. Or he wants to turn a profit, saving the world from hunger. He has the largest investment in private farmland in the United States. He wants, he pushes GMOs, he pushes saving the world for hunger. Who's going to profit the most? The people that own the most farmland. So you play God, saying... I need to save humanity from itself. But you play the shitty human saying, I want to save humanity, but I want to make a fortune doing it. So which one do you think is more important in, in Bill Gates' book? Do you think it's the saving the world, or do you think it's the turning a profit? Because it seems like he's more concerned about turning the profit. That's all of the time I got for today. Take it for what you want to. Again, a lot of these stuff aren't things I necessarily believe, but they are things that people are saying. So they should definitely be looked into. I'm going to post the links to some of these articles, specifically this uh, uh, RFK Jr. one, in the show notes when I release this as a, an actual episode. So you can go look into some of the shit for yourself. Like I said, this was an article that just popped up right like shortly before I started podcasting or before I started recording this episode. So I, I haven't fact-checked any of this this article here because it's it just popped up. So again, don't think I'm 
saying all these claims are true, but there's a good chance a lot of them are true. There's a good chance you're not going to find any information saying that it's that's going to back it up because everything, the influence that the Gates have would single-handedly be able to keep a lot of this information from getting out there. So talk about misinformation. How do you get information when the person with the, the most influence is the one that you're trying to find information on? That's all the time I got for this week. Once again, this is the last time you're going to hear from me this year. It has been awesome, an awesome year, uh, being able to do this every single week, multiple times a week this year, um, being able to come back and just bring some information to you, have a little bit of fun, have a, a few laughs, and expose bullshit for bullshit. And I just wanted to do an interesting topic, which is this Bill Gates guy, I guess, that people, I guess, have heard of. Maybe not. What do you think about Bill Gates? Do you think he's this amazing guy? Even Joe Rogan back in the early 2020s when, um, early 2020, when people started talking about how shitty he was, he's like, oh, Bill Gates is just a great guy. What? I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he put toilets in Africa, man. And so even Joe Rogan won't even touch the shit. At least he won it back then. Maybe he is now. Maybe all of this is just shit being thrown at Bill Gates because he's such a great guy that they gotta knock him down a few pegs. Maybe all this is just made up. Or maybe there's really something here. You tell me. Share this shit around. Make sure you like and subscribe. Get back here next week because next week we start a brand new year. 2022, I'm going to say, is going to be better than 2021. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to make this bigger and better. Get back here next week. Live, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time every Monday night. As always, we are not changing that. We're just going to keep pushing forward until they stop us. Have a great rest of your week. We will see you in the new year. Goodbye. The Break the Bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Justin Zielinski, Remzo Martinez, Stephanie Parker, and T.O. Jacobson. A shout out to our sponsors, Run Your Mouth Coffee, the On The Run Podcast, and Goulash Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next week and let us continue to invade your ear holes. And as always, never stop talking.